0: All right, well, good morning, Chapel Rock. I'm glad you're here, and I'm certainly glad that we have our online viewing crowd with us again today, and they are viewing from all kinds of places, so thanks for being with us. And if you have the opportunity to get with us, if you're from the local community, man, come on and join us some Sunday and be a part of things here. We're glad you're doing that right now and being a part of our worship here this morning. We're also glad that we have the opportunity to continue in this series, Newsflash, about the book of Mark, the gospel story as written by Mark, a follower of Jesus who talks about the immediate things that are happening in the life and the time and the story and the ministry of Jesus. And it's a great, great storyline. It's a great thing that we're understanding here. So we're going to dive in there in just a minute, but I want to pray with you first and then we're going to go for it. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you, Father, for giving us um, healing both physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Father, we're grateful for the way, the way you work in our lives. We pray you'll continue to do so. Now, God, be with us as we dive into this passage. And Lord, help us to understand what you're trying to teach us so that we might bring you glory as we live it out in our daily lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Miracle, cure. Discovered. Can you imagine if that was the headline on on a news page? Miracle cure discovered. Now we've been looking for those all of our lives, haven't we? I mean, from the time everybody wanted to find the fountain of youth and you know so you'd never grow old and and all those kind of things. To movies, to TV shows, there have been themes that have run through all of those different types of shows, movies, and and news page articles that have talked about miracle cures that come your way in fact one of my favorite TV shows from when I was young the Andy Griffith show one time Aunt Bee was having a tough time and she was not feeling well and she was struggling with what to do and she found what she thought might be the miracle cure pay attention to the screen
1: well, my friends Colonel Harvey's Indian elixir Good for ails you are you feeling tired and run down? Do you drag yourself out of bed in the morning? Does life seem hardly worth living? Then, friends, give me your attention, your undivided attention. Oh, Heck, it's just another commercial. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you. you run on a long home. I want hey, to. I, okay. My mission in life is health, is zest, is vigor, is the joy of living. Now, what I offer you, my friends, is no medicine. It is far more than that. It is a tonic, an elixir to purge the body and lift the spirits, to put a light in the eye and a spring in the step, a lilt in the voice, and hope in the human heart? Breathe, there a man with souls so dead he can say he is not interested? At only one dollar a bottle? These friends, I know the price is ridiculous. It only helps defray the cost. While the supply lasts, do I hear a voice? I'll take two. Ah, there speaks someone in whom the spark is not dead. Are there others? Step forward, please. I take one. One for the lady.
0: And one for you. And one for you. All right, Aunt B would take two, you know. She wanted two bottles of that because it was going to be the cure that was going to take care of what ailed her. And we've been looking for those all our lives. We've been looking around for those kinds of things to take care of ourselves to find that miracle cure. In fact, I'm gonna put some things on the screen right now. Here's one, it's called a miracle elixir. It cures all ailments, including frayed nerves, melancholy, bossiness, hmm. Hair loss, and the last one, bad singing. How do you like that? You take a little bit of this, you can sing, you know, like everybody else. We'll see the next one, and that next one says snake oil. Now that should tell you, do not drink this, right? Snake oil, it cures everything, particularly prepared by the Old West Property, LLC. Now, they sold those on the old uh, Western Front, and people bought them all the time. We have another one, and this one, snake oil relieves instantaneously, immediately. Hmm, does this sound familiar? The Gospel of Mark says that Jesus worked in immediate ways. And if you read in the small print, it cures all kinds of things. Headache, neuralgia, toothache, earache, backache, swelling, sprains, sore chest, swelling of the throat, contracted coric and muscles, stiff joints, wrenches. I don't know what that is, but uh, it'll cure your wrenches, okay? And uh, dislocations, cuts, and all kinds of things they'll cure those. Now here's the next one. I really like this. All these bottles, and, and the different names. You could find these in the old Western Front, even in some of the early pharmacies we found in cities and towns. And then the next one I really like, this one, uh, Renores, and it cures cholera, neuralgia, rheumatism, paralysis, uh, all kinds of things, measles, scarlet fever, epilepsy, mercurial eruptions, chronic obsesses, uh, necrosis. But the one I like the best is right at the very top. It says it cures... Female complaints. Men, how many do you want right now? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. My ministry assistant is frowning at me right now, okay? All right? But all these things, all the pills, all the elixirs, everything they came up with, they would all work. They would cure anything you had as long as, the next slide, pigs fly, as pigs fly now we've had miracle cures come about recently In uh, Great Great Britain, British Columbia, and other places, they've had a guy that they tested out. He was a seaman, and he worked on big barges, that kind of thing. They found out that he was terminally ill. His name was Simon Lamont Brown, 50 years old. They told him he was going to die within two weeks. They put him in hospice care, and a doctor said, We have a new drug. We haven't really tried it on anybody, but let's try it on you. Your insurance will pay for it. And so they did And within three to four weeks, he was up and walking. Another few weeks, he was out doing what he wanted to do. He was feeling pretty good. They said, now the illness is still in your body, but it is at bay because of this miracle cure. Miracle cure. A 74-year-old woman had cancer diagnosed her leg. The doctor said, the only way we can save you is to cut off the leg. She said, please, please don't do that. She prayed. She kissed her cross. She prayed again. Within two weeks, the nodules on her legs were going away. Within 20 weeks, they could find no cause for her cancer. Hmm. Miracle cure? I don't know. Maybe God took care of that one. You see, we have all kinds of stories in our culture, in our world today, but the one that I want to draw your attention to is the one that's found in the Gospel of Mark. It's a story about a leper, a guy who had a disease, and he decided the only way he could take care of it was to come and see Jesus. And and if this story doesn't resonate with everybody, and if this story would have been able to be put into the paper headlines, while Jesus was in Galilee doing all these kind of healings, guess what? The headline would have read, Miracle Cure Discovered with a big picture of Jesus right underneath. In Mark, the first chapter, you find this passage. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. In other words, you can heal me. And Jesus was indignant and he reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I am willing. And then he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and the man was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning given. He said, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, the man went out and began to talk freely. He spread the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in some really lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Miracle cure discovered. My goodness, how, how many times we want to have that in our lives? We'd want Jesus to heal us, not just physically, but maybe mentally or emotionally, and specifically spiritually. We would want to have that miracle cure come into our lives as well. So what, what takeaways do we have from that story? What can we learn today about that miracle cure that only Jesus could deliver to that man who had leprosy? Well, first of all, I think we have to understand this. When, when God touches you, it changes us. God's touch changes us. It changes us in a long term. It changes us for a long time. You see, the hands of Jesus were dedicated to heaven, dedicated to the purpose of God the Father, dedicated to the purpose for which He was created, and that was to bring healing into our lives. And his hands were amazing. When he touched people, when he came to them and even spoke to them, it changed their lives forever. This man came with leprosy. He's unique. He shows up once in the scripture. He has one request. He gets one touch from Jesus and it changes his life forever. Did you catch that? He came once. He asked once, he, he asked God to do something one time and that one touch changed his life forever. I wonder how that would work. I wonder how that would come into play in many of our lives. You see, this man with leprosy, defined by many commentators and by many writers, he was living out a life that was death by inches. You understand leprosy, right? Leprosy is a disease that affected the circulation system in your body and it would show up as sores and open lesions on your skin, and yet it was destroying your nervous system on the inside. Eventually it destroyed the nerves in the ends of your fingers, in your hands, and your toes, even in your ears and your nose, and if you lived long enough, those digits and your nose and your ears would most likely just fall off. And the lesions, they, they would come on and they would become sores and they would fester and become really awful and oozing. And, and people were, were then taken in that culture and they were set aside. They no longer accounted for anything. Leprosy not only stole your body, it stole your social interaction. You see, in that culture, if you had leprosy, you were unclean. And if you didn't announce it coming down the street, or if you didn't say it as you approached somebody in the marketplace, that, then they would. They would say, unclean, you're unclean. And they would all get away from you as far away as they could. And that leprosy was death by inches, and, and people knew they would die. In fact, in that culture, in that day of Jesus, they would most often remand you to a leper colony to a place outside the city gates, outside the village, outside the town. You'd have to live in a cave, live somewhere else, and you'd have to be on your own until you died. No human interaction. No human touch. Hmm. If you've ever been to the islands of Hawaii, you'll run across an island there called Molokai. And Molokai is a smaller island, but... It's beautiful. It has soft and gentle breezes, has really soft surf. It, it's just a beautiful place, a, a real haven. I've never been there, but I've read about it. And in the middle 1800s, leprosy came to Molokai. Now, they don't know how. They don't know how it came there, but it did. And, and so for years and years, they tried to figure out what to do. So finally, they took all the lepers, moved them out of the cities, and put them in a colony that was uh, on the far reach of the island, and where that, that little piece of land was, was edged by, on three sides by the ocean, and on one side, the highest seawall known to man. It basically was a prison. It basically was a place where you couldn't get away from it and so they lived there in shanties and lean-tos and whatever they could find. No provisions except what was dropped in the water by ships hoping it would float to the shore because they didn't want to breathe the air you were breathing and they didn't want to touch you and they didn't want to be around you because you were leprous. You had a disease and no one wanted to be around you. Eventually in 1873 a Catholic priest, Father Damien, decided he would do something about that. He had ministered for 10 years on the island, so he moved into the leper colony. And he said he became one of them. When he had church services, he didn't say, well, brothers and sisters, he said, we lepers. And he hugged the kids, and he hugged the adults, and he ministered to them, and bound their wounds, and took care of them, and offered them communion, and Touched them in ways that they hadn't been touched in years. And he literally did become one of them. Because he contracted the disease and in 14 years later, Father Damien died. The only human touch that those people had had, some of them literally their entire life, was Father Damien. You say, well, Pastor Fred, why do you even tell us that story? Well, it's because we don't build colonies anymore. Basically, leprosy is handled by the medical community. But I do know this. We oftentimes build barriers. We build walls. We turn away. We duck our eyes at people who are different. A different skin color, maybe odd, maybe they're less educated. Maybe they don't wear the clothes that you think they ought to wear. Maybe they don't drive the car you think they ought to drive. Maybe they don't live in your neighborhood because your community is a good one. And we build those walls. And we treat them like lepers. I grew up not just a few blocks from a guy who was my age. I went through school with him, elementary, junior high, and then high school, and and he was a little bit odd. Nobody really built friendships with him. Nobody really wanted to be around him. He didn't have a lot. His parents were kind of poor. He he struggled uh, socially. He was very awkward. His hygiene wasn't great. And so people steered clear. And I did too. Oh, I'd say hi, you know, but that was about it. He'd ride through our neighborhoods on his bike because he couldn't drive. He would ride his bike, he had a radio strapped to the handlebars all the time. He was a sports fanatic and he listened to ball games all the time and he took statistics in a little notebook he carried with him and and he did okay in school but but in life he struggled. Everybody just kept their distance. Everybody just kinda kept away. His human touch was very limited. In our junior high years I learned a valuable lesson from one of our coaches when we were choosing up sides to play flag football in PE and and I was choosing and it came down to him and and I got him on my team and and I was really distraught because I was super competitive in those days unlike today and I didn't want to lose not even in PE class but I had this guy on my team and everybody kind of disparaged him and gave him a hard time and finally our coach stopped everything and he taught us a valuable lesson. He taught us the lesson that everybody counts. Not just the ones you think are important, but everybody counts. And I took that lesson to heart. And through the rest of our high school years, I always spoke. I, when he rode by and I was outside, we had a short visit, that kind of thing. And, and he was kind of odd, and yeah, he was kind of different, and that kind of thing. But I, I learned to appreciate what he did. He kept statistics on everything I did in high school football, basketball, and baseball. He could tell me, before our coaching staff did, what I had done in a game. He was amazing that way. The day before I left for college, none of my football buddies, basketball buddies, or baseball buddies showed up. Nobody I played in a band with. But this kid did. He came by on his bike, and he stopped, and I was out front, and he said goodbye. Thanked me for just saying hello. Hello. And off he went on his bike. Never saw him again. Don't know what happened to him. Have no idea. But I know this he counts in God's eyes. He's valuable in God's eyes, and he should be to all of us. And you know people exactly like that those who are downtrodden, those who struggle, those who are simple, those who are in prison, those unmarried moms. The divorced, the depressed, we know people like that. and We treat them like lepers most of the time when we should be touching them on behalf of Jesus. We are the hands, we are the feet, we are the voice of encouragement. We are Jesus to them. And if we see them as important and valuable as God does, then we will speak and we will touch them. Because when God touches us, it changes our life forever. The leper's life was changed, and so will yours be. And there's a second takeaway in this story today that we need to understand. A miracle cure discovered that leper, as he was cured, we find out that that, that God's healing is complete. It's totally complete. God doesn't leave anything out. In fact, I want you to notice in this story, it wasn't necessarily the touch. Of Jesus that took away the disease. If you compare this passage with Matthew 8 and Luke 5, you find out that the disease was taken away by the spoken word of Jesus. His touch healed this man's loneliness. Pretty lonely when you don't have any human interaction. Pretty lonely when you don't have anyone who has touched you in years. It wasn't the touch of Jesus that healed the disease. It was his spoken word. His touch healed the man's loneliness. Max Cato, one of my favorite writers, wondered what it would have been like to bend this leper. And he wrote it down in a little storyline from the time that he met Jesus. I want to read that to you today because he says it so much better than I would. Listen very carefully to the words from Max Lucado. The leper speaking. Now the look of Jesus is what made me take the step I took today. Of course it was reckless. Of course it was risky. But what did I have to lose? He calls himself God's son. Either he'll hear my complaint and kill me or accept my demands and heal me. Those were my thoughts. I came to him as a defiant man, moved not by faith, but by a desperate anger. God had wrought this calamity on my body, and he would either fix it or end it. But then I saw him. And when I saw him, I was changed. You must remember, I'm not a poet, so I can't find the words to describe what I saw. All I can say is that the Judean mornings are sometimes so fresh... And the sunrises are so glorious that to look at them is to forget the heat of the day before and the hurt of times past. And when I looked at his face, I saw a Judean morning. Before he spoke, I knew he cared. Somehow I knew he hated this disease as much as, well, no, maybe more than I hate it. My rage became trust. My anger became hope. From behind a rock, I watched him descend a hill. Throngs of people followed him. I waited until he was only paces from me. Then I stepped out. Master, I called. He stopped and looked in my direction, as did dozens of others. A flood of fear swept across the crowd. Arms flew in front of faces. Children ducked behind parents. Unclean, someone shouted. I don't blame them. I was a huddled mass of death, but I scarcely heard them, and I scarcely saw them. Their panic I'd seen a thousand times. His compassion, however, I had never beheld. Everyone stepped back except Jesus. He stepped toward me. Years ago, my wife had stepped toward me. She was the last one to do so. Now he did. And I did not move. I just spoke, Lord, you can heal me if you will. Had he healed me with a word, I would have been thrilled. Had he cured me with a prayer, I would have rejoiced. But he wasn't satisfied with speaking to me. He drew near me, he touched me. Years ago, my wife had touched me. No one had touched me since until today. I will. His words were as tender as his touch. Be healed, he said. Energy flooded my body like water through a furrowed field. In an instant, in a moment, I felt warmth where there had been numbness. I felt strength where there had been atrophy. My back straightened, my head lifted. Where I had my eye level with his belt, I now stood eye level with his face. (laughs) His smiling face. He cupped his hands on my cheeks and drew me so near I could feel warmth of his breath. I could see wetness in his eyes. Don't tell anyone about this. Go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded for people who are made well. This will show the people what I've done. So that's where I'm going. I'll show myself to the priest and I'm going to hug him. And I'll show myself to my wife, and I'm going to embrace her. And I'll pick up my daughter, and I'll embrace her. And I will never forget the one who dared to touch me. He could have healed me with a word, but he wanted to do more than heal me. He wanted to honor me, to validate me, to christen me. Imagine that. Unworthy of the touch of man, yet worthy of the touch of God. You've felt that touch before, haven't you? Hand slid in your hand at a funeral. A hand upon your shoulder during difficult times. A teacher when you were young wiping your tears because no one would play with you on the playground. The prayers of your friends that have been revealed and answered in your life. You've felt that touch. You've known that touch of God in your life, and you can do the same. You have God's hands if you surrender them to heaven. You have God's voice if you surrender it to heaven, and you will become his servant. You can be the touch of God in somebody else's life. You can write a card. You can write a note. You can bake some cookies. You can make a meal. You can go and visit. You can see. You can text. You can make a phone call. You can touch somebody's life the way God has touched yours. You see, so often we forget about the fact that people all around us feel like lepers. They're the disassociated, the dysfunctional, the depressed, those who don't feel like they belong. And yet, God calls for us to be His hands and His voice, His feet to carry us toward them, and for us to begin to touch their lives the same way God touches ours. And we know that He'll use us. I find it interesting in this passage that He prayed this prayer God, I know you can, I pray you will. That should be a prayer that we pray every single day. God, I know you can use me, I pray you will. I know you can heal me, I pray you will. And you know what? God will answer those prayers. And he'll use you in a significant way, in a way he's never used you before. (laughs) I also find it interesting that Jesus touched the man and said, now don't tell anybody what I did. (laughs) And what happened? He told everybody. And I find it odd that Jesus said, now go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, and we say nothing. That doesn't make sense. That Jesus told this guy not to say anything, and he did, and he tells us to say everything, and we don't. We are the hands. We are the voice. We are the ones who God will use to touch this world for Him. Because one touch from the Master, one touch from God, changes us forever. And His healing, be it physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, is complete. Just a few scriptures real quick. I want you to see these, and I want you to know them. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We go on. First Timothy 2, 3, This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We go on to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then Hebrews in the 8th chapter, for I will forgive their wickedness. And God says, and I will remember their sins no more. When God touches your life spiritually, He's not going to remember your sins. When God touches your life and heals you from your sin, He will not remember what happened even the day before. That's His promise. And now we become His messengers to help touch this world, to heal them from what they struggle with. We need to go. We need to be the touch of the Master to everyone else. It's the old gospel song that rang true in my mind over the last three or four weeks as I worked on this message. Oh, he touched me. Yes, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me. And he made me whole. If you need to be touched today, You need to come down front. If you have a prayer need in your life and you want one of our spiritual leaders, one of our elders to pray over you, they're going to be down front with our other counselors as well. We've asked our elders to come because James says if you're struggling, you ask your elders to pray. They're going to be down here with our other counselors to pray, to talk, to visit with you. You know, that touch of the master is something we forget about and all of us have felt it ourselves. Now we need to be giving it to someone else. But if you need that touch today, if you need that cure, that miracle cure that only Jesus can deliver, why don't you come down front? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Let's do that. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the story that we have in front of us today of a leper who came one time, asked for one touch, one healing, one request, and you granted it. Father, some of us have been on our knees before many times, asking for your help. We're asking again for your touch. Father, today as people come, they'll have the opportunity to to meet up with folks who will pray and be your voice and your hands to them. And I pray that your touch will overwhelm them as well. God, please, today, would you move among our people and those who need that touch from you, I pray they'll come down front and receive that today. If they need to make a decision for Jesus, if they need to have their sins forgiven and forgotten about in heaven, never to be mentioned again, Father, then I pray they'll come today and make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Whatever we need to do, Father, we're looking for the touch. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why not you stand with me today as we sing this decision song.